Tim and Tom. You have uh, been married two years. Easy. <laughs> I've been dating. Hey, how does that work? How does that work? Amazing girl for two yeah. years. How does that work? Because I, I've forgotten at this point. What? What? When do you and how do you determine this is when we started dating? This is going to be the date that we base the anniversaries off of. Just the first date. Just the first date. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. The first date. And you know what? So easy because it was the first Nate Diaz Conor McGregor fight. So I always know when it is. <laughs> <laughs> Have you told her that that's why you were? No, 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 yeah, we, no, we didn't plan the date that it was going to be the night of Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz. No, one. I know, but, but yeah, yeah, oh, no, she does it too. We both look at him like, oh yeah, because Sports Center, Twitter, and Facebook, and then you know Bleacher Report, and obviously UFC, they've been sharing since the fight, like one year anniversary of Conor Nate, and I'm like, haha, one year or two year anniversary of Conor Nate, and I'm like, haha. So as long as they keep doing that. I'm in the clear. <laughs> well, how long do you think they're going to do that? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. As long as they're relevant. So Conor McGregor needs to go so, get back to fighting. So one fighting. more year. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Hopefully let's get this for like four more years. Yeah. When we're doing Tim and Tom next year, we'll, we'll find out if you remembered or not. We'll, we'll see if you've got a good story or a bad story, but this one was a good one. I saw all kinds of fun, lovey dovey posts on the Facebook. Tell us about your two years and what you guys did and whatnot. It was on Monday because of my work schedule. I worked 10 to seven. We decided to celebrate the day before on Sunday, because obviously if I get home seven and sometimes even later than that, you're eating at nine 30 or something, you know, and we got to work the next day. So again, we decided to celebrate on um, Sunday. We went to a fantastic restaurant. It's third street social in Lee summit, Missouri. I can't speak more highly of this place. We got the Al Pastor tacos. She got the pot pie, which was so delicious. I got the animal style burger, which is supposed to be the third street social equivalent to the in and out animal style burger that mm. they have in California. Mm-hmm. It has like Thousand Island on it and all that kind of stuff. Sure, yeah. Very good. Three patties, but not like the extra big patties. It wasn't like a unusual eats food channel type of burger, but it was three patties. So it was a healthy portion. It was fantastic. It was great. It was a fantastic night. I wanted to bring up a question because I had a realization as the ticket came. Uh, we decided to split it because it was both of our right. days, right? right? Like it's not a day. It's, you know, for both of us. Right. So it, it dawned on me like, what's, wait a minute. Then what's different about this dinner besides the two years uh, than any other dinner? Like we're still splitting it. We, we typically always split things like just half and half. So like, what, what yeah. do you, <laughs> yeah. Well, and we started this conversation and paused it before we recorded, but it strikes me that your looking for something to be different about the dinner. I don't think there's anything different about the dinner. It's just that given our calendars and what we, you know, how we work, this is the one or the two years. And so it's a day we've designated as a day of celebration and reflection. And and that's what's different. Right. But you're not making the dinner necessarily any more special than any other thing. Cause it's like still. Typically you'll go to a place that maybe you wouldn't normally go to. You know, maybe a That's little more true, expensive, maybe a, maybe somewhere you guys have wanted to try, but one of you is like, I don't know, Greek, you know, or whatever. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know. So, uh, you know, yeah, I don't, there's going to be nothing inherently different about the day. There's nothing inherently I did, about any day, really. 
I did, however, bring up the fact that I said, hey, you could pay for this because on the first date, I paid for everything. Right. So, so two years, just, every two years. <laughs> every two years. If you want to pick up that tab, I won't stop you. There's something to that where I hear a lot of debate now, too, about the you know modern dating. Who pays now, right? And everybody's like, the man should still pay. Or, you know, no, it needs to be split every time or whatever. And, and what's... What are your thoughts on any or some of that? It should be split. It should be split. Look, this is going to a bigger issue, and I like where we're going now. This is going to be fun because we might get some trouble here. Uh, It should be split. Hey, women, if you want equal pay in the workplace, then you better have equal pay on the dates. Because if you're going to be making the same as me and I'm paying for everything on our dates, well, that ain't fair. I agree with the core principle of that. There are a few caveats that I think. I think one, whoever did the asking or the requesting on the first date generally might offer to pay well yeah yeah right? if you're saying i let want me take, to take you out you, to it, right 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 um, i'm saying like yeah. i want to take you out but like let's use the example of emily and i because right. emily and i met on a blind date through a mutual friend oh, in okay. that instance and using that away from me and her but if it's just two generic strangers that are meeting up through a blind date i think it should be split of now course. i chose mm-hmm. to not do that because I wanted to be a gentleman and yada, yada, yada. But going to the bigger picture, hey, if you want equal pay, then we better yeah. have equal pay outside of this workforce. And uh, that's when you know these things need to change. I have talked to my wife about that prospect, too. She's on the thing of she's a very uh, contemporary woman. If she were out dating, she said, yeah, the same kind of scenario, right? Like if somebody asked, hey, can I take you out? You're probably going to assume that they're going to be offering to pay. But if it's like you said, there's a blind date or we met up on match or whatever, right? And you're like, hey, let's exactly, meet in the place. Yeah. Then you're going to say, you're going to say, I'm going to go into it expecting, or this was her, was her words, I'm going to go into expecting it's a split. And I'm going to be somewhat a little upset if the guy keeps going, no, 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 I want to, no, I want to pay. I'll be like, oh, well, maybe I don't want to be with this guy, right? She's of the type like, hey, man, I got this. You know what I mean? Like, I agreed to meet you out here. Like, we're cool. Exactly. Yeah. If it's, if it's part of the, I'm taking you to this place. So for example, Hey, we've been talking through social media sites and stuff like that. Maybe we know each other through uh, friends, things like that. And I'm saying, I want you to come with me to maybe my event, right? So like, let's say I'm into zip lining or let's say I'm into pro wrestling or whatever the, you know, that thing is. Well then, yeah, it's, I'm displaying this form of entertainment for you so yeah i will pay but again the mutual agreed hey let's both try this kind of at the same time neutral site thing well split it half and half because hey men are making the more money to pay for these dates and also here's the other thing let's go into these flights and boats and stuff you know i don't like when they say women and children out first what do you think like if i'm drowning i drown less fast because i'm a man no i drown just like a a, a woman so what, what's with that huh look how red your face is for those with the enhanced radio if you could see how red your face is i like this tom a couple things that we got to touch on here. right hey but look <laughs> hey right when the titanic was sinking and everyone was getting on the boats who was getting on first Good. women and children yes the idea with that stemmed from <laughs> let's get the kids on the boat and then, then traditionally, the women took care of the children. 
get them Ooh. out of here so they're safe. And then if we can make it safe, we'll get there, right? Is no, the idea. 2018, I can take care of a family too. I went off. Well, hey, man. You know, I'm not going to knock, say, on, that. But, I'm but, knock but, on that one. Because, yeah, if you're, if you, yes, if the idea is get the kids on there and then it's one of us. I mean, that's you to be selfish or selfless. I mean, that's, you know, that's each individual person's choice. Now, men are making more to be able to pay for all these dates. In no way, <laughs> in no way could explain the difference in, in pay well, equality. Well, well, that's why we got to make all the money. So we no. got to pay for all the dates. That's it. Huh? That's the whole, that's been the whole that's thing. That's the, the whole, whole time. reason. Yep. That's the whole reason we're keeping them down uh, is so that we can take them on dates. All right. What else, man? Did you do anything else this week? I was going to say what I did for her. Uh, so oh, yeah. what she did for me was a few weeks back when I went to the SmackDown and I got the floor seats, right? That was fantastic. Yeah, you're right, so right, 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 right. Yeah. What I did for her is I got her car detailed and washed it looked spectacular. It looked elegant and amazing. Okay. All right. All right. I was impressed by it. And, yeah. you know, it wasn't even my car. So we did that for her. the night before her brother's birthday party. We went there and we watched uh, the UFC event. My favorite fighter, Frankie Edgar, for the first time in his career, was knocked out. And that Frankie. was sad. Frankie. Yeah. I love Frankie Edgar. Now he's done. I think he's 36 now, so he's on the tail end of his career. That was kind of his last chance to get a title shot. He took the fight, even though a title shot was promised, the champion was hurt. And instead of rescheduling to meet with the champion, he said, I was already on this date. I'll take a fight. Based Brian Ortega, who is a fantastic person and a fantastic fighter, undefeated, knocked him out with an uppercut that took him off his feet. It was incredible. I was a little sad. But the birthday party was great. Great, great time. Emily, her brother. Okay, so Emily's brother is a meat fanatic. He was smoking all these meats from like 8 a.m. to when the party started, right? Mm. Well, so we wanted to bring something, and Emily does amazing at making all types of pastries. So she decided to make cupcakes. Well, she decided to make pig cupcakes because of the whole pork and, you know, mm. things like that. Mm-hmm. So she was a little fun tongue in cheek, yeah, but the right. cupcakes were. Oh, good. Oh, my goodness. Very good. Marshmallow on top, a white cake with pink frosting and little marshmallows as ears. Mm. Nice. Nice. Oh, good. Tim and Tom. So Friday night, we went to watch a friend of ours is finishing their eight-week course of improv classes. She wanted to be a little better public speaker, wanted to be more open, right? Took these improv classes. Well, the end of these, as you could probably figure out, they do a performance, right? So we went to watch that. And this was Casey Improv, which time we're going to have to reach out to these folks because we had a super fun time at this place. And you know improv comedy. You know how that works. They're taking suggestions from the crowds. They had one game where they all had to be a panel of experts, right? And then they asked for... What's something that one of these that you would be asking these experts advice on? So I asked, how do I tell my parents they're adopted? Threw that one out there, <laughs> which they took. Because that's one of the fun part is, right? Trying to throw something out that's going to catch them up. Oh, yeah. That was super fun. She did great. And then we all went out, and you decided not to go out with us because you don't like us. And then. Yep. Uh, yep, that is true. We, that's exactly what it was. It's what you text me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. No, we went out and we were going to go down to Updown because we have all these Updown tickets. If you haven't listened to our Updown interview, go back to episode one of Tim and Tom, this version of it at least. Uh, great interview, Updown. We ended up not going there. We stayed in that Westport area where we were at. We decided to stick around. We're going to go to a couple different bars, hang out, and I ended up going to a place I've never been but heard about for Missy B's. You been to Missy B's? 
not to give away my exact location because we always keep our head on a swivel. Come at us, what, right, what? Right. But it's literally right down the street from us. I could, yeah. I could walk there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you should have walked there. <laughs> I never well, there. you know, you you guys went out so late. You know, us old people, we got to get to bed. It was Friday night, seven thirty, like ten o'clock. <laughs> I know. I was already in bed. I know it. I had never been there. It was super fun. Music was awesome. Everybody. I mean, it got packed at some point. We're all out there dancing, having a blast. Ended up just doing, you know, doing that till we ended up going home. Uh, but Saturday morning, Tom, I was invited to a local neighborhood annual man's breakfast. See, yeah. hold on, pause, because you yeah. told me that, and that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You guys all live like twenty-two miles away from each other. <laughs> no, no, no. What's no, no, a no. neighborhood? No, no. So I mean, we're all I, like, I can see uh, several houses from my spot, but I am up on some hills, so I mean that helps. But my neighbor's probably a thousand feet away, maybe. I don't know, or more than that, maybe. He's probably a couple thousand See? feet away, I guess. Yeah. That's, um, a, that's like, I could fit 10 houses away. in there. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, oh, man. Look, I, yeah, yeah. No, I could sell off my property and put in a suburban hundreds of homes for sure. So that's just the thing. It's the area. They've all lived in that area forever. You know, it's not a whole lot. It's been passed down to families even. So they do this thing, and the neighbor tells me, he goes, hey, you know, one of our neighbors, Chuck, is having his man's breakfast every year. You know, he goes, just, a, you know, idea to sit around BS and, you know, meet the neighbors and stuff like that. Wanted me to invite you. So I texted him that morning. I was like, hey, we're doing this breakfast. He's like, yeah, I'll come pick you up. Well, I've told you about Adam, the neighbor, right? And the fun times of Adam, the neighbor. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. so I'm hanging outside waiting on the porch and Adam, the neighbor, comes driving up the drive. And he drives and he's a, a, a goofy guy, right? We all like to have fun. And he, he looks out the window and he's like, no brakes, no brakes. No brakes. And I'm like, yeah, all right. And then, like, I walk over to the truck, and he goes, Timmy, I think we got a problem. I ain't got any brakes on this thing. (laughs) (laughs) And I went, oh, man, you were being serious? And he was like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, man. He goes, I I came out of the drive, and I come into yours, and he goes, my brakes just go on the floor. And I was like, well, we'll take my truck then. He goes, that's all right, man. I got a stick shift. We'll get there. It's just down the street. (laughs) So I go, all right, and I can't walk. Oh no, I get. I was like, all right, fine. Well, he's got a five speed. You know, you could. If you got to drive down the street. You don't really need the brakes on. And if you nobody's out there, it was seven in the morning. It was probably one car in, in hours. Got to do that though. I mean, and that's you know wasn't a whole lot to to talk about there other than you know meeting the neighbors and that was all fun and interesting. But yeah, and then we rode back with no brakes yet again, all the way back, all the way back to my place. But that was the 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 gist of my weekend, man. Didn't get into too much crazy stuff other than that just a gay bar an improv and a man's breakfast and no breaks man that's just a normal weekend around here normal weekend around there yeah you we can definitely tell that you live in a country area when no breaks is not a big story in the neighborhood yeah he could well i thought he was kidding right he's like no breaks no (laughs) breaks no breaks and i was like ah adam goofball and so wait a minute after he tells you you're still like okay i'm gonna get in with this guy that i don't really know fully that has already admitted that he does have doesn't have any breaks i could tell by his reaction in in his in his exclamation i was like this guy really ain't got no breaks and he's like nah and so i was like hey you know what yeah i could make it i knew where we were going it literally was like down the street turn right and we're there Right? So like, yeah, we'll get there. We'll be all right. <laughs> so, so as long as you say anything with confidence, Tim will get in the car with you. Hey, it's fine. Nothing hey man, will happen. It's free candy. I mean, what more could you ask? <laughs> so what, so were you the new kid on the block in this uh, men's breakfast? Like, mm-hmm. So how did that go? Did you get any glares? Did you have to like, so my backstory is this and this and no. this? Like, No, actually, was that um, like? 
one guy was uh, in the Air Force, like I was. Now he was much, uh, he was a much elder gentleman, uh, elderly gentleman than I was. So he was there a long time, like in the Air Force, a long time ago. But he was talking about when he served in Iceland, and I served in Germany for a while. So we were kind of sharing some overseas stories. So that was neat. And then just you know, putting uh, these houses are dotted about the landscape as you go out there, and now being able to put a face to some of these. You know, I met finally my closest neighbor across the street who owns the property across from me, and I'd been kind of worried about. He, uh, we had noticed he had these gigantic ground digging vehicles on his drive and they were going in and out of there and going up the hill, which is kind of right where some of our view is. And my wife kept going, he's going to build something up there. It's going to be an eyesore. It's going to ruin one of our views. And we never knew what he really was doing. Right. And I couldn't tell. And so he was there and he's, oh, I just overhear him talking about a story about apparently the sewer from the city runs through his land and they need mm-hmm. to get back there to work on it. And he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, well, that's the point of contention. He goes, boy, they know my name now, and they've heard the terms criminal trespass quite often. He goes, they apparently couldn't get on their normal access road down to the pipeline with this thing. He goes, it's really uh, steep. And he goes, so they just decided to pop the lock on my gate, drive this dual, like, track <laughs> ground digging machine up onto his land, like, off of his drive, and basically just screw up his land right. and cut down some of his trees into the forest to get wow. back there without ever asking or nothing right and he goes so i start yelling at them i'm like hey because the city owns a block of land across like next to me and across from him Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he goes if i go over there in my four wheelers and i start and we'll get the sensor button again here he goes if i go over there and start up they're gonna make me pay for everything to be put back exactly like it was so that's what they need to do now and he goes so yeah they're building a new road they've got to pave it and i was like good because we were worried my wife kept saying oh he's gonna build something up there and i saw and he goes no he's not the only thing's getting built up there they're building it and <laughs> it was just so that was kind of fun well, you know hearing that right well hey tell your neighbor to get in contact with our guest of uh this week's episode yeah. uh from integrated roadways to put in a new smart pavement so that you guys can uh, understand better how the technology works for the wave of the future and the new cars. I tell you what, we had Tim, the CEO of integrated roadways. Uh, as you guys know, we do the interview interviews first because we do this pretty late so we don't want to take up much of their time. Talk with Tim, not this Tim, another Tim and man, more stay tuned Tim. for that. Yeah. The more important Tim, cause much he is more. looking into the, fu- yeah, he is looking into the future and he sees it very clearly and he is helping us out again. He is with integrated roadways. Uh, stay tuned in the next segment. And, uh, it is really interesting. And as I said, forward thinking Tim there, he, uh, he's got it, things figured out for sure. So you guys will definitely want to listen to that, but so well, good. At least nothing's going to be built on a, cause the hardest thing for me is that like, the the bad neighbor, right? Like I haven't necessarily had bad neighbors. The last place I lived, if you guys recall from the Spanish announce table days, when my single bedroom apartment, I had a uh, neighbor walk into my apartment at three o'clock in the morning uh, with me unaware that anyone was going to walk into my yeah. apartment at three o'clock in the morning. And so I had to front kick that neighbor off yeah. of my bed and chase them out. But out of that, outside of that, haven't had any problems. But I would only imagine that is very difficult to deal with. Funny you mentioned that because this same neighbor was telling a story about something that happened at his property three or four years ago. And so, the, again, this is right across the mine. And, again, you know, we live we live out in the, in the country, right? We live right. out on acres of land. And he says it's, one, it's late one night. His wife starts yelling at him that somebody's in the drive now again i mean we have probably two thousand feet of drive right you don't accidentally come up our drives right Mm -hmm. so 
he says, he goes out there, he's in literally his underwear and a t-shirt, and he's, you know, a lot of these people have guns out here, and he says he's got his forty-five on his hip, and the guy's sitting in his drive, and he goes, hey, can I help you? And the guy goes, my car's overheating, and which it clearly wasn't, right? You can tell when a car's overheating. He goes, buddy, that car's not overheating. You need to get out of here. He goes, the next word out of that guy's mouth were, you. And he was like, oh. Like, oh, oh no, right? And then, so the guy starts yelling at him, and he goes, boy, I don't know where you think you came into here, but you really need to get off this property now. You need to go. Of course. And so... And so he yells back at his wife, my neighbor, and he tells him, call the police, right? We have an intruder or whatever. The guy goes, I'm going to run you over. And he goes, I'm going to shoot you before you get the chance, right? And so <laughs> so he says the guy gets out of the car. And now he says, now I'm sitting here really worried, like, I'm going to actually have to shoot somebody today. Man, <laughs> like, you know that what I mean? Like, incredible, yeah. Right? So he says he starts backing up, right? He gets behind a tree that's out in his front, you know, like, oh, my God. The guy's coming, so he just fires a shot out. Bam. This is a forty-five. This is not a, you oh, know yeah. what I mean? It's noticeable. Oh, yeah, for he sure. says the yeah. guy yells out, what, do you got a cap gun? And he's like, oh, no. <laughs> like, I'm really going to have to shoot this guy. <laughs> right? like, so, so he says, but the guy does turn back around, gets in his car, and starts to drive off, right? And he's like, okay, all right, fine. You're right. Scared the guy's getting out of here. Well, the guy then starts backing up. Our driveway split. Not everyone's, but ours and his both do, but his does. Right? So you have one that kind of goes around to the other side, whatever. So he starts backing up into that one where the, where the homeowner's truck is. And he goes, oh, man, is he going to try to, like, you know what I mean, ram or something? So he fires another shot to try to scare the guy. And the guy drives off out of there. And the cops show up. He's in the house. And so the cops have their weapons drawn at him through the house because they don't know, right? Like, And he's like, I'm the homeowner, I'm the homeowner. And he's like trying to, ah, like, no, no, shoot me. And so, and then they find the guy because he told him, he's like, I, I know cars. It's a Mustang, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It tells him, right? And then they find the guy down the street. And they were like, well, we got the guy who want to press charges. And he's like, man, I don't know that I want this guy coming back around if I'm pressing charges, if you guys don't actually do something about it, right? But they went mm-hmm. ahead and do and find out this guy was just whacked out on all kinds of who knows what and just found yeah. his way out there. And you know what I mean? Like that scenario happened. So that made me think, and I was like, I really need to work on getting that gate <laughs> fixed down there at the end of the drive. Yeah. Yeah. Get Woo. your, uh, your ring system back going. Cause yeah. you never know now. I mean, how about that? Huh? Well, we have it all the time. Incredible. We get Amazon deliveries driving up there and, they do that now where it's just, you know, like you do it like Uber, right? So you're driving your own car. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, I'm like, <laughs> who is coming up? This Today it was in a, in a van, like a full-on van. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like you an industrial a, van? Like you ever see a van? No, I mean like a passenger van, but like a van. Uh, you know what I mean? Like not yeah. a minivan, not a new, like a suburban new mom minivan. I'm talking a van, right? Yeah. With the sliding side door. So this person's rolling up my drive. I'm like, mm-mm. Doors are locked. And then I see they got a package and they drop it off. And I'm like, nah, not till you get out of here, man. <laughs> I'm not opening that door. Tim and Tom. Let's get on and uh, get out of here because I want everyone to listen to this Tim from Integrated Roadways interview because it is really cool. I'm telling you, this is one of the cooler interviews that we have done with Tim and Tom. I honestly, I wrote a little backstory behind the curtain as it as it is. Uh, I wrote to Tim. I was like, this interview is incredible. I like. Yeah. It was, it was insane. So we'll stop wasting your time. After the uh, other side of the break, we will get to Tim, not that Tim, the other Tim from Integrated Roadways. 
Fun fact, the cost of college in the United States has gone up 500% since 1985. That's my birth this episode of Tim and Tom is brought to you by Your Business. Tim and Tom's listeners could be hearing about Your Business right now. They could be hearing Your Business's address. Or Your Business's website address. Or even Your Business's phone number. But they're not hearing that right now, are they? If you want the listeners of Tim and Tom to know more about your business, contact us at timandtomkc at gmail.com. Tim and Tom. Integrated roadways. For those of us who don't know exactly what this is, tell us a little bit about the company. Integrated Roadways' mission is to make roads pay for their own existence by transforming them into data and connectivity corridors for next generation vehicles. You know, most people don't really think too much about that need right now, but the next generation of vehicles needs a internet service provider the same way that your phone does or your computer does. And so we provide those services in a way that enables the road to actually pay for its own existence so that when you're in your new connected car, autonomous car, you can drive on brand new high quality roads that are built using the current state of the art in construction materials, design, and all of the other advancements that we've had in both physical construction and digital services over the last 60 years or so. This is just an impressive concept overall. I was thinking, you know, when I was researching your company and then reaching out to you guys for an interview, I just thought this is an amazing thought because I've always wondered, like, how could we get Internet access to places everywhere? What would that take infrastructure wise? Mm -hmm. And then it kind of hit me that we are. Uh, we already have this kind of laid out network of roads everywhere. If And then it just hit me, well, yeah, if we could integrate this stuff into the roadways, we already have the paths. So I, how do you, mm-hmm. how does one just get into this? Are you sitting around with a eureka moment like that also? Or is this something like you were, you thought, <laughs> how am I going to, how am I going to, you know, help driverless cars? What, what was the genesis of this? Well, that is probably a story too long for a podcast, but I did have a eureka moment around, oh, 20 years ago when I saw that the Federal Highway Administration was uh, investing in autonomous cars and upgrading roads to enable autonomous cars. And then they killed the program and everybody just kind of forgot that it existed. And then 15 years later, all these automakers start talking about we're going to build autonomous cars, and they didn't have any sort of plan for the maps, the connectivity, the navigation, the obstacle avoidance. They just kind of said, well, let's throw a bunch of cameras on the car and not worry about how much the car costs, and we'll just kind of figure it out and make it work. That's not really uh, you know, the right way to go about things. So anyway, it, it just 
it was a realization from a very long time ago that matched with, uh, you know, the state of the art in, in autonomous cars and filled a massive need that nobody else seemed to be addressing. So what does this look like then for the goal? What does the end goal look like for integrated roadways? The goal is to upgrade America's infrastructure for the 21st century and the needs of not only current vehicles, but emerging vehicles and future vehicles. You know, infrastructure is um, very resilient. It lasts a very long time. And that means that between cycles of upgrades, society advances enormously. And, you know, our last major upgrade in infrastructure was after World War II and the development of the Eisenhower interstate system. And now we have you know, very well-established, very populous cities and states that have traffic loads that are 10 times or more greater than they were actually designed to handle. For example, on the South 435 loop, that section of interstate was designed for one-tenth of the traffic that it carries today. And that's typical across the nation. So my goal is to draw attention to the need for advanced technology in the public right-of-way to enable this next generation of vehicles and to do my best to make sure that the United States does not invest trillions of dollars in rebuilding roads to the state of the art in 1965. You know, we need to be focused on 2065. And one thing that I was noticing from your website here, uh, it says stronger, cheaper, smarter, and it's smart pavement. Tell us a little bit about what smart pavement is. Smart pavement brings the touch sensitivity of of tablets and phones to the roadway, except instead of looking for fingertips, we're looking for tire positions. This allows us to identify where vehicles are, what speed they're moving, how much they weigh, what direction they're going, and create real-time maps and databases of vehicle counts, driver behaviors, vehicle demographics. This is essentially the same information that a, you know, somebody that runs a website gets about traffic to their to their site and the ability to know everything about your visitors is fundamental to the value of the internet and the services we get there. And yet if you were to ask your local you know, Walgreens or McDonald's about visitors to their store, they can hardly tell you anything. So, you know, we're we're using information technology to bring the same level of data about traffic in the real world as websites have had for 15 years now. What are the challenges to get some of your product now accepted, produced, actually installed, because you've got so many municipalities and states mm-hmm. and, and tax levels and, and all this. Like, How much of your time and your overhead is spent on just dealing with that alone? It's got to be monstrous. It, it really is. It really is. That is the most difficult part of this, is okay. dealing with the regulation and compliance burden for providing services to public agencies. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why this need has built up so dramatically because, you know, once uh, a statute is in place for city council that tells the public, public works department, for example, how they operate, 
that never changes until there's a mm-hmm. significant political situation that forces it to change. A, right. a corporation changes their operating practices constantly just as they choose to based on what's working and what's not. So, yeah, dealing with the the regulatory environment and the complexity of complying with public specifications for bidding and letting and everything, it's incredibly difficult. However, there's a silver lining to every cloud, and the, the complexity of all of this has essentially stagnated the market for transportation infrastructure to the extent where costs have gone up by two-thirds over the last decade, and yet quality has not increased at all. These are extremely valuable projects, and yet nobody has the money to pay for all of them. So our infrastructure, all of the money that we pour into it and all of the regulations that we establish to try to improve its quality, our infrastructure is currently sitting at 40% of roads need total replacement And within 15 years, 75% of roads are going to need replacement. And on top of that, the public doesn't have any money for any of this. So now that we've identified a way to build roads based on revenues from digital services, we're able to sidestep a lot of that because we're not showing up with the rest of the crowd in order to, you know, compete on rebuilding a section of Main Street or whatever. What we're doing is setting up deals with public agencies where we finance the improvement. They don't have to pay for it. All they have to do is give us permission and, you know, not asking them to pay for it allows us to avoid a lot of the obstacles that we would deal with otherwise. I got to imagine that alone though is a hard sell for some people to wrap their brain around too i mean do people just not you tell people well you're not gonna have to pay for this some people just stop listening at that point because they're just not hearing you anymore like i mean obviously you guys have a lot of data and i'm sure you're well good at your at your job but do you get turned away a lot just because people aren't buying it yeah because they just don't have the mental flexibility to recognize that you can do things differently one thing that happens to us regularly is you know we explain all of this to them we generate data we we generate revenue from data we generate revenue from services this makes the road pay for itself we don't need you to pay for it we just need your permission And then they'll say, that's amazing. And once you're done, we can charge tolls for driving on it. And I'm like, ah, you don't understand. That (laughs) was cover charge to go on Amazon's website. It doesn't make any sense at all. But the, the market for infrastructure has not had major advances for like 50 or 60 years. So in some ways, I, I can't really blame them for not really clicking on how this is all possible because it's been, exactly the same for generations. We've been talking a lot about the challenges as far as, you know, getting people to understand integrated roadways and, and all of that. But I want to know a little bit about the success stories. What was one of those first success stories and what was that like? Obviously, there was a, there's a sense of relief and accomplishment, but tell us a little bit about that first early on, you know, starting up the company and that first kind of success story that you had that stands out. The first thing that really brought my attention to how interested people were in the technology 
technology angle was when we were doing our very first demo with Kansas DOT on I-35. I was interviewed by the Wall Street Journal for, uh, you know, they were uh, doing an article about the Google Fiber project. I did this interview for the Wall Street Journal, and I talked a little bit about putting technology into roadways. And the next day when I went to a meeting at KDOT, these guys were all excited, and they're like, oh, man, is this what you're building for us? And I was like, oh, gosh, guys, no, we're just going to be doing a, you know, a piece of pavement. It's not going to have all this tech in it. You're not paying me for all the tech. And they were like, ah, oh, shucks, you know, we were really excited. That helped me to see that even though a lot of people don't really get it, they, they know that they need to, and there's some excitement there around in uh, you know, accepting this kind of technology. Another one, if I can share another, was uh, of course. Whenever, uh, whenever I was first meeting with an official with the Missouri Department of Transportation, we were talking about better ways to build roads and including information technology. And he says, "You know, I love this. I just can't afford any of it. We can barely pay our bills as it is." why don't you show me a way to use the information technology to actually make money? And that was, that was really a, a watershed moment for me because I realized that, that roads are our oldest network and they generate enormous amounts of data about traffic, same way the Internet does. It's just that there's no systems in place to capture that data and you know, transform it into revenue for the operator of the network. And so those two, one, seeing people get really excited about the idea of technology and roads, and two, the exasperation that they couldn't afford the technology because they didn't have the revenue and they wanted to see the technology bank revenue. And those two events, I would say, really consolidated that uh, this was how we needed to go about our work and, and focus on using the tech to pay for the road. Mm -hmm. No, it's definitely a smart way to go, I think, there. Hey, so you mentioned to us before, I think we started recording, that you know, you've been here in KC your whole life. Do you think mm -hmm. that the openness to this technology and roadways and a different way to, to fund the projects, do you think this maybe was more or less open in this area than other areas, or, or have you had any experience outside of that? I find that need for something creates flexibility in how to get it. Right, So people that, that have a major point of pain are going to be extremely open to ideas about eliminating it. So we found a lot of interest in Kansas City in innovations to pay for roadways. We found a lot of interest in, at MoDOT. However, it's not just interested. It's about who has the foresight and courage to be the first co to commit to a project. And so in the end, our first project was committed by the state of Colorado, not because they were the first interested, but because they were willing to put it on the table and say, we are going to do this. We don't need somebody else to show us that it's already working. We don't need to follow our peers and, you know, only do things that our peers have already told us are cool and safe and fun and interesting. We're going to go ahead and, and forge our own path and see if it works. You know, we want to be the first for better or worse. And in the end, you have to have not only the, the combination of 
the need, but also the the substance of character mm. to admit to that need and to commit to just trying something that might be able to resolve it, even if you don't have certainty that this is going to be the perfect solution or work the first time you try it. We've talked some about the product that's out now and the things you can do with it now. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming, being forward-thinking, that you there's also things that may be possible that are being researched now. Can you enlighten us on some of that, what, what's maybe possible with this sort of concept? Absolutely. Two things that I think are really exciting long-term opportunities. They're not going to be in this version, probably not the next one. Wireless electric vehicle charging. Right now, gasoline vehicles have a longer range than electric vehicles. And no matter how, no matter how much batteries improve, you have to charge them. However, batteries have one advantage over a gas vehicle in that You can charge remotely. You don't have to stop and plug in. No matter what, no matter how good a gas vehicle gets, at some point you're going to have to put a hose in the gas tank and refill the tank. Right. So I think wireless charging is an amazing technology that is going to essentially eliminate range anxiety, whether it's for a a vacation or a daily commute or even like one of the new Tesla semis. Because with wireless charging built into the interstate, instead of having a 200-mile range in general, you have a 200-mile range after you leave the interstate that's been upgraded. Mm -hmm. And getting those upgrades coast to coast might mean that a person would never have to stop and plug in their car the entire time they own it as long as they regularly drive on road to have that technology. It's nice living in the future, isn't it? Yeah, this is yeah. incredible. How yeah. much research and development goes into all of, the, all, all of these ideas? Because you've been mentioning all of this just amazing forward-thinking ways of like addressing issues that we currently have. How do you guys or not how do you guys, but how much goes into all of this research and development and, you know, fine tuning the ideas that will eventually be here tomorrow? There's a lot of tinkering. Absolutely. There's a lot of staying on top of the state of the art for a wide number of different areas, but really uh, most of the work has been done. You know, we're, we're integrated roadways because we take existing off-the-shelf, widely available technologies and integrate them in an interesting way. So like, for example, the basic technology we have, precast pavement, you may not be personally familiar with roads that are built in factories, but in Eastern Europe and in Northern Asia and then in like uh, Malaysia, but anyway, in, in Eastern Europe and Northern Asia and some Southeastern Asia, Prefabricated road construction is as common or more common than asphalt or concrete pavement. The technology's been around for 80 years. When it comes to the sensing technologies that we use to identify vehicle positions, that stuff's been used in oil and gas pipeline monitoring for 20 or 30 years now. The servers that we need, uh, that we use, are all off the shelf from existing IT suppliers. The networking concepts are already extremely well validated and established in other markets. The real innovation here is taking all of these pieces that were already available and assembling them into a business model and a financial model that enabled the implementation of the tech into the roadway 
in order to generate money in order to pay for the upgrade. So then, Tim, what's what projects are you guys out there doing? What's what's coming up in the future? What if somebody wanted to look into? What are you guys doing around here that we would know about? We are currently doing a project with the state of Colorado, and that is going to be our first public demonstration of the fully fleshed out smart pavement system. That is going to start with an installation in the city of Denver. It's going to be a small section of roadway. We're currently waiting on getting the the permit from the city of Denver to proceed with that. So we expect to have that constructed in uh, about 90 days and fully operational within um, probably another 30 days after construction is completed. Uh, Assuming there's no problems with that, we're going to be doing a half-mile installation in a rural area in Colorado. That should be completed by uh, late fall of this year. Wow, that's impressive. Well, as we've mentioned, you know, integratedroadways.com is the website. And obviously, with this news that you were just telling us about Colorado, there's going to be, I imagine, more news to come. So what's some other ways that people can keep up on Integrated Roadways? You can follow us on Twitter at Integrated Roads, and then you can uh, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Integrated Roadways. And, you know, not only do we post uh, our own updates there, but we also share information about smart cities, autonomous cars, infrastructure improvements, and, you know, more of a general interest stories for people that are, you know, engaged with our work. Tim, we really appreciate you coming on here and talking about integrated roadways. And I, I'm just envisioning a future where people are going to be able to charge their cars driving down the roads. Also, their phone's going to be charged. It's going to automatically help them subscribe to Tim and Tom and download other great interviews uh, just like this one we had here, man. We appreciate you coming on and talking to us. Absolutely. I appreciate your having me. And I want to leave you with a question, um, maybe more of a vision, in that let's assume autonomous cars get here right? All right. And now you don't have to pay attention while you're driving. What are you going to do? You're not going to sit there and stare out the window. You're going to want to do something. And whether that Mm -hmm. is socialize, whether it is uh, begin your workday early or extend it late, whether that's play a augmented reality racing game that takes the traffic around you and transforms it into a race simulator so that you can enjoy your commute, you're going to do something. So, you know, our vision is enabling you to make the best use of your time while your car is driving you to work or to play or wherever it is you might be going. That is something to think about. I like that. We'll be doing more interviews for Tim yeah, and Tom. That's, that's, that's what it'll be. Maybe we'll make this a mobile show is what we'll do yeah, personally. But, yeah, that's something for the listeners to think about. And by all means, people should check out integratedroadways.com, all the various social media and other ways to, to get a hold of them, like Tim mentioned. And man, it sounds like you've got a lot of work to get to, so we won't keep you any longer, Tim. We appreciate you. I appreciate you having me on. Have a great evening. Tim and Tom. A lot of interesting stuff that they're getting into there at Integrated Roadways. Wow, yeah. And I tell you what, it's really fascinating and inspiring to talk to someone who's forward thinking, right? So he obviously identified a lot of the issues that's going on with roadways. As he mentioned, he gave you the numbers during the interview. And as I mentioned, it's kind of it's kind of cool. Well, I mean, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. But to talk to someone that says, okay, we see the issue. We see what's going on. Now, instead of just putting a Band-Aid over it and you know doing it again in a couple of years, doing it again in a couple of years, why don't we – 
look to the future and change and take the technology that's developing faster and faster every day and use that to our benefit. So it was really cool to just hear just a visionary. I mean, really, that's what he is. And so with all the research and development he's doing, all of the the technology that's being developed, and now now it's time to like put the roads out there, as he mentioned, in Colorado and the city of Denver. He's going to start there. Um, So it's really cool to, to talk to someone that's, you know, changing the future as we know it. Right. And it, it does seem like one of the last things that's getting the smart upgrade is like our roads and, and some of our infrastructure, you know, like mm-hmm. everything else is smart. This E this, uh, you know, but the roads are still hard concrete and steel, you know, it's just mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So that'll be interesting. And uh, you know what else is interesting? All the fun stuff that you get to do around town this week. And Tom's got more on that when we come back to Tim and Tom after a quick break. Fun fact, brain scans reveal that dogs not only seem to love people back, they actually see people as their family. Don't say nothing to police for they shoot me down. They'll be marching in the streets if they shoot me down. Tell me, listen, don't speak or they shoot me down. What these people don't see, you can't shoot me down. I'm bulletproof. Tell the truth, they hoping I keep it cool. I just play the cards that I was dealt with, I can pull them too. Tim and Tom. Tom, I I, don't, I think I've got a fairly open weekend. What should I do? Tell you what, we've got a lot of fun things coming up. Actually, you know what? I'm going to start it off with, honestly, one of your favorite comedians. Oh, yeah? Who's that? Yeah, Jim Jim God. Jeffries will be at the Arvis Bank Theater at the Midland on March 10th. It starts at 7 o'clock. Again, Arvis Bank Theater at the Midland is 1228 Main Street, Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, Jim Jeffries Live. I tell you what, that is going to be a sight to see. Uh, he always comes with this hot takes. Coming from Australia, he sees America a little bit different. He doesn't have that beloved you know, patriotism to say, well, no, that is the American way. You know, He's an outsider quote unquote, and comes in and says like, Hey, uh, this is a little weird and it's hilarious. So again, Jim Jeffries live Saturday, 7 PM, our bank theater at the Midland. And if you're wanting tickets, it's axis.com. A X S A X S. That's a fun thing to say. Axis.com. Yeah. He's a, um, I believe he's American citizen or he's lived here for decade now or more, but yes, Australian uh, by birth and just the kind of, uh, just, brash uh i like him a lot because yeah i think we think along the same lines and just that kind of style of hearing something that's clearly stupid and moronic and then just trying to call it out and make fun of it in every way possible right it's just really fun right and that's what i mean by uh quote unquote uh outsiders because yeah he is an american citizen but it's very similar to like a john oliver Mm -hmm. in terms of Mm -hmm. they don't see America as this, like, you know, I bleed red, white, and blue. They're like, no, this is just people being people, and this is kind of weird, or this is funny, or whatever it is. So, again, that's Jim Jeffries, Saturday, uh, Arvis Bank Theater, March 10th, starting at 7 o'clock. Next, let's get into some music. At the Truman, again, 601 East Truman Road, Kansas City, Missouri, uh, Tuesday, March 13th, at 8 o'clock, we have They Might Be Giants. Or is he a speck? When he's underwater, does he get wet? Or does the water get him instead? Nobody knows. Particle man. Triangle man, triangle man. Triangle man hates particle man. Um, they might be giants are fun. Yeah, it's one of the, those, you know, original alternative 
outside-of-the-box kind of musical acts that produces great music, but it's obviously not going to be the mainstream top 40 hits that you hear on the radio. Uh, They put on a great show. They're very unique. Again, that's going to be Tuesday, March 13th. Concert, it says, starts at 8 o'clock. You can get tickets at TicketFly.com. It is going to be at the Truman 601 East Truman Road, Kansas City, Missouri. Now, let's keep it moving and get into a top 40 act. And one of the best top 40 acts of this past decade, in my opinion, is going to be at the Sprint Center Thursday, March 15th at 7.30. We have, and you know she's good because she goes by one name, Pink. With every touch you fix them Now you've been talking in your sleep Oh, oh, things you never say to me Oh, oh, tell me that you've had enough Of our love, our love Just give me a reason She's very musically talented and a, a wide variety even within her own music. You know, there's a couple genres that you'll hit, uh, a, a well-versed taste of uh, I don't know, musical stylings, we could say. Definitely. I've always thought of her as like the girl that goes to prom but then ditches early for like a bong rip. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Like It's like she's still there at every homecoming game or pep rally, but then it's just a little wrinkle of like individuality in there. Her music is very top 40 friendly, but one, unlike other artists, she's singing it herself and writing it herself. And then, yeah, there's a little bit of that grit to it where you're like, this has a little bit more pull on the heartstrings uh, than other she acts do. Is- mainstream accepted anti-establishment right. yeah that would probably be the best yeah the best way to describe her is because yeah there's some grit to her but it's gonna be a show at least for the most part that is family friendly obviously you don't want to take six seven year olds there but i'm saying you could take a teenage daughter and her mom could go to this show and both have equally great times mm being together watching pink. So I think she's great. And I just love her voice. She has a fantastic voice. Uh, very original in that song he played. I like it a lot. Yeah. All right, here we go. Last event that I got for you Saturday, March 17th at seven o'clock. I have no idea who she is, but she's playing at the sprint center and I heard she's famous. So I added it for you guys. It's Miranda Lambert. You better be careful what you say. It never really added up Miranda Lambert was married to Blake Shelton. Uh, you probably know of the from The Voice and whatnot. Um, other country artist. Uh, no longer. That was a pretty... Uh, yeah. Because now he's with um, Gwen Stefani. Uh, Gwen Stefani. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was a messy breakup because of such things, Tom. Uh, Miranda Lambert is also um, a wild, crazy kind of the... Um, remember the Dixie Chicks in their heyday before, you know, country music turned on them for, you know, having an opinion on the president? Go figure. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, they, yeah, so she's kind of that, like, style of, like, in your face, mean, like, country girl, 
get out of here. This is my truck. My truck's going to outmud you kind of stuff. You know, that, that, that kind of feel to it. Almost like pink adjacent. Mm-hmm. And then also, nice word, um, also, um, but also gets into, you know, your stalwarts of, of country where you're going to have the slow ballads and that kind of stuff. She's really good at that as well. I think here's an, like. I can feel the rumble yeah. like a cold black. Well, now he's got one and he ain't seen me crazy yet. So you get, you get the idea, right? Little rock'em country kind of thing going on there miranda lambert will be fun if you're into that yeah but it seems yeah definitely it kind of seems like the country version as i said the country version of pink you know right. so it's a instead of the the big ballads with you know strings and drums you're gonna get that mm-hmm. you know string guitar and a little bit more twang yeah and she kind of <laughs> captures the uh and less about the anti-establishment with pink but yes the more the musical style of the like rock in your face but she kind of mm-hmm. miranda lambert almost gets the i'd say the Every uh, small town American country girl, you know what I mean? Uh, girl next door, not to say that's typically said in a looks point of view, but not. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Musically. not what I mean here. Obviously, she's a very beautiful woman, but, uh, of course. but you know what I mean? Just the, the, the attitude of this is every loud, opinionated country girl that you've probably ever met. So uh, it's really good. Miranda Lambert. I like her. Yeah, good. Well, if you're into that kind of music, go check her out. So let's review real quick the events that I gave for you for this episode. Again, March 10th, Saturday at 7 p.m., Jim Jeffries live at the Arvis Bank Theater at the Midland. Then on March 13th at the Truman, they might be giants. That's going to be Tuesday, March 13th at 8 p.m. Then on Thursday, March 15th at 7.30 at the Sprint Center, you have the one and only Pink. And then following up on Saturday, March 17th at 7 p.m., you have Miranda Lambert with the Living Like Hippies Tour. Again, that's going to be at the Sprint Center. So there you go. Tim's favorite. Let's get into one of my favorite parts of the show, and it's our favorite things of the week. So why don't you go ahead and start us off? All right, Tom, the NFL Combine has been going on. And for anybody not to know, the NFL Combine is the prospective draftees the nfl holds a draft every year of incoming college talents and whomever else may be able to be eligible for it where the teams are going to pick right the worst team gets to pick first so to try to even it out well the combine is where these prospective draftees come and just do all sorts of physical activities that they measure against each other right so we're going to do the 40 yard dash and we're going to do you know we're all going to lift the same amount of weight and see you can do it the most times right we're going to all see mm-hmm. you can jump the highest right mm-hmm. it's often been called the underwear olympics right have you heard of that term right cuz I haven't but know, I like that yeah uh-huh. cuz they're out there in tights trying to you know it's an athletic competition so we come to a linebacker and his name is Shaquem am I saying that right Shaq let's just call him Shaq cuz that's what he goes by Shaq Griffin uh, for mm-hmm. anybody who doesn't know about Shaq Griffin, Shaq Griffin is a he was a standout in college, uh, and it was he was UCF, wasn't he? Is that right? Yeah, UCF undefeated, UCF. the mm-hmm. unrecognized national champions. Uh huh. They also won the 2013 NCAA uh, uh, tournament. Anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry, UCF likes to claim national championships. The linebacker Shaq Griffin, he's uh, turning heads, and he's always been turning heads because, fun fact, Tom, you like to give out fun facts. It's my turn. Shaq Griffin only has one hand. Yep. He's missing his mm-hmm. left hand uh, from a prenatal incident, if I remember correctly. Um, yep. I have an article up here, so forgive me if I'm bouncing around a little bit. But now he's still on a undefeated college football team. He's at the NFL Combine, and he's only got one hand, right? So he had his left mm-hmm. hand amputated when he was four, 
because uh, mm-hmm. while in the womb, a band had wrapped around his left wrist and prevented the hand from developing, right? So he had severe pain in the hand, uh, particularly when he slept. I had heard this also that he made that decision. Like they had asked him, finally, like, well, we could do this and it would take the pain away, right? And he was just like, the pain was so unbearable that, that a kid at that young age was like, forget it, take it. Right? I mean, how interesting yeah. is that? Yeah. So now, it's incredible. It says here even Griffin ran to his kitchen the night before he had had his hand amputated and grabbed a knife to cut it off himself, but his mother had to stop him. Yeah. That's how painful that must have been. Right? Now, mm-hmm. he was the American Athletic Conference Defensive Player of the Year in 2016. So, mm-hmm. this is they're undefeated. They're playing Division 1 college football. He's got one hand. He's starting, right? He had 92 tackles, 20 for a loss, 11 and a half sacks last year. Right? I mean, that's intense alone then he goes to the nfl combine and he does with one hand now he has a little prosthetic to help him lift but he does 20 reps at 225 pounds how many times do you put up yep. 225 tom once once all right so he does that 20 <laughs> times on the bench press with a prosthetic hand even though he'd never done more than 11 reps <laughs> before that try yeah. Okay. The next. Now remember, we were talking to uh, the Triumph program last week, and they talked about a mental. You can get in a mental yeah. zone, and you could do sixty percent more than you're used to. So, Shaq came in saying, "I'm gonna hit this, man. I'm gonna reach every dream I've ever had." He also ran the fastest forty yard dash for a linebacker since two thousand three. Hey, and that is a great way to tie into last week's episode. Like Jeff was saying, you know, there's a mental part of competing and if you can tap into that you can do so much more than even what you thought you're capable of and here's a great story of Shaq Griffin going to the combine where obviously everyone's going to look at him because he's the one that stands out just from an aesthetic point of view and he's going to say not only am I going to stand out because everyone's looking at me but I'm going to overcome that and I'm going to dominate this combine and I'm going to steal the show so yeah I thought it was amazing in 15 years nobody has run a no linebacker has run that 40 as fast as he did in 4.38 seconds. Think of a a college, you know, entering the NFL linebacker. He's six foot one, 227 pounds. Okay. So you said it a bunch of times that I'm a bigger guy. This guy mm-hmm. is two inches taller than me, right? Mm-hmm. And oh, weighs yeah. more than me, and his is all muscle, let alone mine's not. Right, <laughs> like might not even be one muscle, and he's <laughs> out there running a forty in four point three eight, which is faster than probably some of the skinniest track stars you're gonna see out there. That's incredible. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's amazing, Chad Griffin. Yeah, because even if you just take away the he has one hand, oh my god, those are amazing numbers that he put up in college, and those are amazing numbers that he put up in the combine. So he definitely rose his stock from. I think he was projected to be a fourth round pick. Probably mid third round, and if you're saying mid third round, there might be a team that you know takes a gamble and chooses them in the second round. So you've kind of doubled your money as far as guaranteed contract your first time out by just getting into that mental zone, as Jeff was talking about with Triumph Pro- Program, and dominating what you know you can do. And so credit to Shaq Griffin. I thought it was amazing. Tom's favorite. So my favorite thing of the week actually came from the Oscars. And we didn't talk about the Oscars because, again, it's kind of one of those uh, award shows where it's a bunch of movies you didn't really see. Although there were some good ones nominated. For example, Get Out, which I saw that I thought was really great, won some Oscars. The big story it felt like that came out of the whole thing was that Kobe Bryant's Dear Basketball won an Oscar. And Kobe Bryant, you know, NBA 
legend, Hall of Famer, you know, future Hall of Famer winning an Oscar. How weird is that? Anyhow, my favorite thing of the week also came you from You thought that Oscar. was weird? Yeah. Thought, me too. Hashtag never forget. Allegedly. Yeah. My favorite thing of the week came from actually the red carpet at the Oscars. So it was uh, revealed on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, but on the Oscars red carpet, Chadwick Bossman, Black Panther. Yeah. He uh, declined to get into details, but he did say to Jimmy Fallon on uh, Tonight Show that uh, the star explained that Denzel Washington, of all people, paid for part of his tuition through a scholarship program while he took a summer class studying drama at Oxford University. So Chadwick being just the guy that, you know, felt in debt to Denzel Washington, went up to him at the Oscars and notified him of, hey, you know, you helped me get to this point. Thank you. I want to, you know, shake your hand. Denzel Washington being just the guy he is said, quote, oh, so that's why I'm here. Well, you owe me money. Yeah. So I, I came to collect. That's what he said back to him. So yeah. Chadwick says like, Hey, I've had this secret. I wanted to let you know, Denzel, that, you know, you helped me uh, get through college, which we all know. I just gave the stat colleges went up 500% since 1985. Imagine that for well, Oxford I, university. Yeah. That's what I was saying. We're talking about. Oxford that's what I was saying. Oh. Yeah. So imagine that tuition and here through a scholarship that Denzel Washington paid for Ch- Chadwick was able to get through his studies, and now he's Black Panther, hey. one of the most iconic movies of the year already. I'm saying Denzel. I'm trying to act, uh, you know. Well, I, you got to get a scholarship. I, well, Credit to him for having a scholarship. You know what I mean? That's a great idea. You want to help out? Go through the school system. Help the people that are in the school system to get through the school system because, as we've stated, it ain't cheap. It is. Certainly it's not Still paying for it as we speak, Tom. Uh, me too. Uh, me too. That's really cool, though. And then it's one of those where, like, you realize your dream. There's a guy who, in your head, is isn't probably an icon to him, and a, now a like a dream facilitator. And now you get to have realized the dream so much so that you've won the largest award possible in that realm. And then to see that person and be like, you. Yeah, you know I mean, because of you, like that's got to be a surreal moment, and that's awesome. And just from a pop culture lexicon, just to see from our point of view, here is Denzel Washington, who, in all regards, is you know the standard bearer for black actors. You know, if yeah. you think black actors, you think Will Smith, you think Denzel Washington. Obviously, there's going to be some more Jamie Foxx, but Denzel for decades has been that standard bearer and now we have chadwick who is black panther again another very cultural culturally relevant person in today's society and here they are tied through a scholarship that denzel washington funded it was amazing i thought that was great so that's my favorite thing of the week tim and tom all right, Tom, we had a fun episode this week. We got into all kinds of zany stuff. I really am looking forward to the future of the roadways uh, with integrated Yeah, so I hate driving, fun. so help me out there, Tim. You know, right. get me to do more podcasting instead of driving. Right. I like we it. could do the podcast on our way As to work. As a road work. show. Right, we yeah. could do it on our way to work. It'd be great. All right, so let's get out of here. We will be back next week. Uh, that's all I got to say, right? We'll just be back next week with more Tim and Tom. Fun fact, the last song Frank Sinatra ever performed live was The Best Is Yet To Come. 
And those words were also inscribed on his tombstone. Remember y'all told me I couldn't? Well I did it anyway. Told me I'd amount to nothing. When it got the anyway. Thinking back when we was younger, y'all treated me anyway. Tim and Tom.